And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Well, we've been in uh, this series called This Is Us, where we've been on a journey uh, unpacking our new vision and values as a church. And, and today what we're going to be doing is we're going to be kind of taking a, making a pivot. Uh, the last five weeks, we've been looking at um, our vision, and then we've been unpacking how that vision happens how it happens in our life as individuals and how God wants to work through us in order to not just transform our lives, but um, to transform the lives of those that are around us. And today what we're gonna be doing is we're gonna be kind of uh, making a shift now and over the next seven weeks, um, we're gonna be talking about our values as a church. We're gonna be taking a look at our values and you may kind of wonder, okay, what? What do you mean by values? Well, values as it comes to a church, as it relates to a church and even in our lives is different than beliefs. Like there's a lot of things that we believe as an Assemblies of God church. We've got uh, 16 fundamental truths that we, that we hold to, that we believe to, but, but values, when you think of the word values, a, a, a word that's kind of thrown around a lot in our society today is, is, is this word culture. Um, it's, it's, it's what I like to look at when I, when I think of values is it's, it's kind of our personality as a church. Like when you think of a city like Tallahassee that's got hundreds and hundreds of Bible-believing churches, amazing churches that are all for the kingdom and want to reach people, um, values is something that sets us apart. It doesn't make us better than any one of those, but it, it makes us different. It's, it's the things about our church that make us unique. And one way that I like to explain it and to look at it is it's, it's the thing that people feel and the thing that they experience when they walk through these doors. Like our values are, are those things that we're gonna hold really tight to. They're kind of, they're kind of in a sense, they're, they're a target for our behaviors. That as a church and as, as people of God, these are the seven things that, that we really want. It doesn't mean that we're gonna be perfect in them, but we're striving, we're aspiring to, to have these behaviors become a part of our lives and a part of our church. And so today what I want to do is I want to talk about, uh, it's not, the, none of these are in order. Um, we've kind of mixed them around just a little bit. But today I want to talk about uh, a value that I think um, sometimes we struggle with. Um, not just a struggle in our own lives, but we definitely struggle with the tension of what this value looks like in the local church. We're going to talk today about the value of excellence the value of excellence. And there's a statement that, you're, that, that is really gonna become a part uh, uh, of, of what we do and, and, the, and the things that we produce and print media and videos and all of that is that we value excellence. And the statement that we're saying is this, that we're gonna give our best because God gave his best. Amen. That in our lives, the way that we live our life and the way that we kind of lead and navigate our church, that we're going to do our best because God gave us his best. 
If you've got your Bible or smartphone or, or whatever that you're going to be using this morning to navigate through Scripture, I want you to, to grab that out. And I want us to, to pray our prayer together. If today's your first time, uh, every week uh, we repeat this prayer together just as a declaration to prepare our heart and our mind to what the Lord wants to speak to us today. And so uh, let's repeat this together today, holding your Bible or smartphone. Father, as I open your word today, speak to me. May I have ears to hear, a heart to receive, and the courage to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, make your way to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6, that's in uh, the Old Testament. Um, and as you're making your way there, I, I, I want to ask you, I want to ask you this question. How many of you in your life would say that your goal for life your goal for marriage, your goal for, for parenting, your, your goal for uh, your career, that your goal for life is to be, eh, good enough. <laughs> Anybody aspiring to be eh, just, eh, just kind of good enough in their lives? Yeah, that's something that, that really for for us is something that none of us are inspired by, like a good enough life, a good enough marriage, a good enough career. Like that doesn't inspire any of us, that, that all of us, we want, we really do want the best. We want the best that life has to offer. We want the best that God has to offer. We want the best marriage we can have. We want the best career, the best relationships. And, and I want to suggest uh, to you today, that if good enough isn't good enough for our own lives, then why would we think that good enough is good enough for our church? If good enough isn't good enough for our own lives and our own marriage and our own career, our own relationships, then why would we ever think that good enough is good enough for our church? You know, when I look throughout the Bible and look at just amazing men and women of God, people that have influenced uh, their generation for the kingdom of God, I don't see people who did that by being good enough. I don't see that by people who were perfect, but I do see that by people who committed themselves to be people of excellence. And as we look in, in Daniel, this book of, of Daniel, it begins with, with King Nebuchadnezzar, and he's, he's the ruler of, of Babylon, and he's, he's ravaged Jerusalem, and part of the devastation that, that he's brought to Jerusalem is this, is he's taken the smartest, he's taken the strongest, he's taken the, the most talented men, and he's trained them under his own culture or his own uh, values to eventually be able to, to use them in service in their palace. And, and so if you're here today and, and, and you're married um, and your spouse is next to you, guys, I want you to lean over and I want you to say, King Nebuchadnezzar would have chose me. He would have chose me. The smartest, strongest, most talented. He would have chose me. And among these men that, that were chosen are a few people that if you've been in church at all in your life and maybe, maybe you know of them and you haven't been in church, were, were a few guys, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
And these guys were given a a specific diet. These guys were given a three-year training program. I don't know if that was CrossFit or Orange Theory or what it was, but they were given a three-year training program. But here was the problem. You see, Daniel had made a vow to God. Daniel made a vow to God that, one, he was going to honor God with his life, And that two, he was going to put God first in every area of his life. And so Daniel finds this kind of moment where there's there's a conflict, there's tension, because he's, he's devoted his life to God, but here he is serving King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians who who worship all kinds of other gods and are far from what he is aspiring to in his relationship with the Lord. And so Daniel. Daniel had a choice. Daniel had a choice that he could either settle for good enough and he could cut corners in his life or Daniel could do the hard thing as it related to his relationship with the Lord. And Daniel chose to do the hard thing. And he didn't just do the hard thing, but he did the hard thing even with the right attitude. Now, how many know that that doing the right thing with the wrong attitude, you might as well not even do do the thing, right? When I look at Scripture, I throw the Pharisees into that category. These are people that, that in many ways did the right thing, but they had the wrong attitude. And when you look at Scripture, and you look at who Jesus was angry and frustrated with the most, it was the Pharisees. And so we see a a reality here that's beginning to uh, unfold about the spirit of excellence that that I believe God has challenged all of us to live in our lives. And so we pick up here in Daniel chapter 6 in verse 3, and it says, Then this uh, Daniel became distinguished. Now, distinguished, like, you know, you kind of might, might think like, okay, the, the three-piece suit, the bow tie, the pants are just a little short enough so you can see the patterned socks and, and just kind of dapper and, and all that. But distinguished was being set apart. Like, like there was something about Daniel that caused him to be set apart from everybody else that he was working alongside of. And it says that Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps. And, and how did this happen? How did, how did Daniel become distinguished? Well, it says because he had a good enough spirit. No, because he had an excellent spirit. And what happened because of that? It says that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Now, I want you to notice something in this passage, that it was Daniel's choice to do what he did, not good enough, but to do it well and to have the right attitude that opened the door for two things in his life. One, it was the the right attitude gave him the ability to have influence and favor with the king. I want you to think about this for a moment. Do you think the king would have given Daniel a second thought if he was cutting corners, if he had the the wrong attitude and was just kind of doing enough to get by? No, 
Not at all. And I think this is huge for you and I to, to kind of grasp. And again, I know this is a kind of a little bit of a sense of tension because when you think about out, out the church and you think about our own lives, this, this idea of excellence kind of rubs us sometimes the wrong way, and I get that. But I think what we discover here and what I'm going to begin to unfold a little bit is that God, yes, is concerned about our heart. Like, that's super important to God, but he's also very concerned about how we live our lives. Not just our heart, but how we live our lives. And, and I want to prove it to you in a few verses that we see in the New Testament. Last week, we read this one, Colossians three seventeen. Paul said, and whatever you do or say, so not just the things that we do, but even the words that come out of our mouth, he says, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. In Colossians 3, 23, a few verses later, he says, whatever you do, look at this, work at it with all of your heart. Not just kind of halfway, not just kind of going through the motions, but with all of your heart as you are working for the Lord. And then we see James, the half-brother of Jesus, one of the disciples, one of those that was just the closest to Jesus. Like, like, like he gleaned so much from Jesus when Jesus was here. And he made this statement in James chapter 2, verse 26, that you might be familiar of. Yes, faith without action is as dead as a body without a soul. In other words, faith, the heart what's happening in here without paying attention to how we're living that out in our lives, that it's dead as a body without a soul. And so think about it for a moment, like, like what kind of influence can you and I have, what kind of favor can we have for the kingdom of God when we choose to settle for good enough? And what kind of representation are we making of Jesus when we settle for good enough? Like think about our own individual lives and that's one of the things that, that as we talk about these values, these aren't just church values. These should be values that we live out in our lives. They're values that, that are really birthed out of Andrea and I and just just. Uh, kind of the way that we've determined that we're gonna live our own Lives And so you think about marriage. Like how can we really be a representative of, of Jesus? What does it look like for our testimony of Jesus and what God has done in our lives when we settle for good enough in our marriage? And what does it look like with our testimony when we settle for good enough in, in our career or with school or with relationships and and if that's true for our own lives, then, then I think it's true for our church. You see, when we accepted Jesus Christ into our life, God, God did something really special in that moment. He deposited his spirit within us. That he deposited his spirit inside of us, not so that we could, could blend in, not so that we could settle for the good enough, not so we could do just enough to, to get by or to go through the motions. No, he deposited his spirit 
Spirit inside of us so that we could live a life that was set apart, a life that is experiencing the, the exceedingly, the abundantly, the above all that we could ever ask or think. And so this morning, if, if, if you're here, you're watching online and you're, you're a teacher, what does that look like for you? It, it, it means that you're, you're looking for ways to be able to inspire your students in such a way that other people start taking notice and asking questions. If you're here and you're in the business world, what does that mean for you? It means that you're going you're gonna to be on the cutting edge. You're not going to just go through the motions, but you're going to have your ears tuned to the creative nature of God and allow him to, to give you innovative ideas that nobody else has seen before. And whether you're a musician or a researcher or a student or a doctor or a nurse or an athlete, a police officer, a, a firefighter, a homemaker or a pastor like me, I think the challenge, what God is challenging all of us is to do it with an excellent spirit. Now watch this, Solomon, known as the wisest man who had ever lived, he said this in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10. He said, whatever your hand finds to do, whatever, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. Jim Elliott, a missionary who died on the mission field, put it like this. He said, wherever you are, be all there. Wherever you're gonna be, be all there. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, he said, therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. This word always in the original language means over and above, like, like always going over and above in what you're doing in the work of the Lord. Look at this, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. In other words, what that means is, is it's worth it. Like there's a reward, there's a value for you and I when we make a decision that we're going to, to live our lives with an excellent spirit. And when I think about excellence, I don't think of a destination like, like at some point we arrive at excellence. I think of it as a direction. I think of it as, okay, I'm gonna point my life in this area of excellence and I'm gonna learn and I'm gonna focus on getting better every single day. And so we see in, in Daniel's life, we see that, that he was distinguished. He was set apart because of this excellent spirit. Now I want to show you a, a passage of scripture in 1 Kings chapter 10. And I think 1 Kings chapter 10 does an amazing job where this verse of, of Daniel is more about the personal life. I think 1 Kings 10 gives us a, 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 a glimpse into what the spirit of excellence looks like in the local church. In 1 Corinthians or uh, Kings chapter 10, we see this amazing story about how God uses the spirit of excellence to get the attention of somebody who was far from God and lived halfway across the world. We see in 1 Kings chapter 10 verse 1, 
that when the queen of Sheba heard of Solomon's fame, and I want to I stop right there, and I want to I say this. This is what it looks like in the 21st century, that, that, that the way that God was moving and, and the way that, that, that people took attention to, to the church and, and the volunteers are on point, and, and they're not just doing things well, but they've got this passion, this zeal for, for life and, and serving God that, that, that people began to notice but not just in the area, but all across the world. We see it goes on to say that that kind of of living, that that kind of way of doing things, that it brought honor to the name of the Lord. That it brought honor to God's name. I, I think about as a father, I think about when we do something with a spirit of excellence, that it's, it's this moment where, where God looks down at us and he's like, that a boy, that a girl. Like as a father with kids that play sports, it's like, it's like that moment in the game that they do something that's, 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 that sets them apart. They make this amazing play and as a father who's been sitting the entire time stands up and begins to clap and shouting their kid's name. Like I see that when I look at it through the perspective of a father, I see God looking down upon us and when we are operating our own lives and we're operating his church with a spirit of excellence that he's kind of on the edge of heaven and he's like, that a boy, that a girl, just kind of cheering him on because it, it brings honor to the name of the Lord. And it says here in the text that, that, that because of that, that she came to test him with hard questions. Now watch this in verse two. That she arrived in Jerusalem with a large group of attendants and a great caravan of camels loaded with spices, large quantities of gold and precious jewels. And when she met with Solomon, she talked with him about everything that she had on her mind. How many guys in the room know that could have taken a while? Not quite sure why that came out of my mouth on Valentine's Day, but. (laughs) Verse three, Solomon had answers for all her questions, which, yeah, I won't go there. Andrea's like, I just want you to listen. Just listen. Don't fix it. Solomon had answers for all her questions. Nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. Verse four, when the queen of Sheba realized how very wise Solomon was and when she saw the palace that he had built, she was overwhelmed. In other words, she was moved with emotion. Do you think that she would have responded that way if she would have showed up and everything was just good enough? You know, it says, here it goes on to say that she was, she was amazed. Like circle that word in your, in your Bible if you're taking notes. Like she was, she was amazed. And if you, if you look at the things that she was amazed by, it's some things are big and some things are small. She's amazed at, 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 at how they looked at detail, how, how they focused on everything, the food on his tables, the organization of, of his officials and their splendid clothing, the cupbearers, the, the burnt offerings that Solomon made. 
the temple of the Lord. I mean, we see here that what influenced her decision to come experience what God was, was up to for herself, that it was a spirit of excellence. That they were doing what they were doing and they were doing it well. And it caused her to take notice. You know, I want to close with this and Andy can come up to the keys. King Solomon, I think what's fascinating to me is he didn't have to chase her down with, with a Bible or with a track. That he and all of those that he led they did what they did, not good enough, but they did it well and with the right spirit, and it got her attention. And the Bible says that because of that, that she emptied her heart to him. And I love that. I love that part because it shows the connection between excellence and our testimony. It shows the connection between the way that we live our lives and what kind of representation of the Lord we are being. It helps us to see how powerful a spirit of excellence can be in, in our lives. That here, the queen who had need of nothing, like, I mean, she came loaded down with camels and gold and food and, and whatever things that, that, that weren't listed in the Bible that she came with. I mean, she needed nothing, but she was so influenced to the point that she became vulnerable and opened up to the king. I want you to consider what it would have been like if she would have showed up that day and arrived and weeds growing all over the place and cracks and holes and in the parking lot, people standing around with attitudes. Like when she comes walking in, they're kind of looking at her like she don't look anything like us. What's she doing here? Like, like I don't think any of that would have moved her to the point that she would have shared her heart with Solomon. Friend, excellence. Excellence in the way that we live our lives, excellence in the way that we lead our church, that, that it's not just biblical, but it matters. It matters in the kind of life that you and I experience it. It matters in the lives of those who, who are looking at us. And so what does excellence look like in our lives? What does it look like in, in our church? I think it's as simple as this, that like Daniel, that we're going to commit to do things that make us better rather than settling for things that make us good enough. Do you want an excellent marriage? Do you want an amazing relationship with your spouse? You do that by doing things that will make it better. Like making church a priority 
Maybe it's, maybe it's reaching out and getting counseling. Maybe, maybe it's forgiving them of some things, some mistakes, some shortcomings in the past. Maybe it's doing the hard thing like Daniel had to do. Maybe it's trusting when trust has been broken. If we want to have an excellent marriage, we've got to do things. We've got to choose the hard things, the hard things that make it better, not just settle for the things that make it good enough. If we want to have excellent relationships, excellent career, excellent education and our pursuits there that We've got to choose to do the hard things that make it better, not settle for the things that make it good enough. And when I think about as your pastor and I I begin to look at our church and I begin to, to, to sense, not fully see what God has in the future, but sense, like, like I don't know if you've been there, but you just kind of, you kind of sense that God is, is slowly up to, to something. And, and so how do we become a church with a spirit of excellence? Well, we do it by doing the hard things, by choosing to do things that'll make us better, not just things that'll make us good enough. So church, what is... What do I believe God wants from us in our own individual lives? And what does God want from us as a church? I believe that he wants us to value excellence. That he wants us to do our best because he did his best. Church, whether you realize it or not, we represent him that in our marriages in our jobs when we go to the grocery store when we think nobody else is looking when we're at school when we know we're supposed to be doing our homework but we're not doing our homework parents you can thank me later in every area of our lives I think the question that we need to be asking ourselves is am I doing my best Not perfection, but am I doing my best? Because God did his best. And he didn't do his best so that I could spend the rest of my life settling for good enough. Because I think we've all kind of seen from the beginning of the service that good enough, nobody's inspired by that. With every head bowed and eye closed, in this moment, I want to I pray for those of you that are in the room that, that maybe there's an area of your life, maybe there's a few areas of your life that, that you recognize that you've been settling. And you can feel it. You know, in my own life, when I choose to settle, I, choose to, I, I end up getting frustrated and get irritated and maybe... Maybe you've been settling in the area of your marriage. Maybe, maybe there are some things that you know that you can do. They're hard things, but you know that you can do to make them better. Maybe it's at work. Maybe, maybe you're known to show up five minutes late or ten minutes late and, 
and you're recognizing that's not an excellent spirit. God didn't die on a cross so that I could just be good enough with my work that, that even if I don't like what I'm doing, I gotta, I gotta do it with a spirit of excellence. And, and that begins with doing some hard things, right? And if that's you today, I wanna pray for you. And so with every head bowed and eye closed, if you recognize today that I've been struggling in some areas, I've been settling for good enough, and, and today I want, a, I want a fresh start. And I want God's strength to be able to do the hard thing, to begin to move in the direction of excellence in my life. If that's you, I want you to just slip up your hand just for a second. You can put it back down. It's just a, it's just a, a declaration to the Lord that I've kind of missed the mark, but, but it's a deep appreciation of all, God, that you've done in my life, and, and I want to live a life that honors you. Anybody else? Yeah. I want to pray for you, but I, want, I have a specific request for those that are in the room that are married and you raised your hand. I want you to hold each other's hand in this moment. Just, we're not going to get crazy. Just, just a, a moment between you and your spouse. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we ask you to forgive us in this moment for settling for good enough. The Lord, in every area of our life, Lord, we believe that you want us to excel. Father, your dream, your wish, your vision for our life is, is exceedingly, abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. And so, Lord, if we're not seeing that in our marriage, if we're not seeing that in our job, if we're not seeing that in our relationship, if we're not seeing that in our educational pursuits or in our emotions, Lord, we surrender that to you today. And Father, we ask that you give us the strength to do the hard thing. The strength as, as Daniel did to, to honor you with our life and to give you, to, to put you first in every area of our life. And so that even means our marriage. And so Father, I pray right now over those marriages. And Father, I pray, Lord, that God, I pray that you would do a work that only your Holy Spirit can do. Lord, where there seems to be no way, Lord, I pray that you would make a way. That God, you would, you would activate the passion and the love for one another again. That, that Lord, you'd begin to move in their hearts and to break the distrust and to develop trust again. That you would, would put a soft heart within them to, to forgive past mistakes. That, Lord, you would give them a pathway, even in this moment. Even in this moment, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would reveal to them their next step. Whatever that hard thing is that maybe they've been resisting, settling for good enough, Lord, I pray that in this moment, Lord, you would reveal to them what that next step is. And God, I pray, Lord, that we could be a people and we could be a church that is defined 
by spirit of excellence. But Father, it would get the attention of those that we do life with, get the attention of those all across the world. In Jesus' name. That we head bowed and I closed. I want to pray one more prayer. And this prayer is for those of you that have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Or maybe you just feel, you feel like he is so far away, like, like you recognize that, that there's a huge distance there and you've, you've not felt God in a long time and, and you want to take this moment and you want to you want excellence. But listen, friend, excellence starts first with a relationship with God. You know, scripture says in John 3.16 that this is how God loved the world, that he gave his one and only son. He gave his best. Why did he give his best? So that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Friend, if that's you and you sense, you sense the Holy Spirit stirring in your heart that this is the moment, don't wait any longer. With every head bowed, eye closed, and slip your hand up. If you're watching online, you can do it there. You can, you can pray and receive what the Lord has done in your life. If that's you, I want you to repeat this prayer with me. And church family, would you say it aloud with us? Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross and paying for my sins. Thank you for forgiving me. Today I surrender my life. Everything and nothing less. Transform me into the person you want me to be. Use me from this day forward for your kingdom. In Jesus' name. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and his church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.